your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Michelle Swalman, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And right now at ESPN.com, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior hockey writer, ESPN.com senior hockey writer, has a stock watch for all 24 teams in the bubble. And as we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome Greg Wyshynski to Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Uh, Greg, we can tell you that here in St. Louis, in terms of a stock watch, we're in a depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's it's it's, it's a, a stock watch for teams uh, inside and outside the bubble. Unfortunately, the uh, the Blues being uh, outside of the bubble now, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's it's been interesting to see how quickly the dynamics can shift in these series. I mean, you know, I, I think that like everybody else, you look at what happened in games uh, three and four of that series against Vancouver, and you're saying to yourself boy, we're on our way, you know, <laughs> they, they were played incredibly well in those two games. Um, and then uh, the series just kind of shifts on a dime. And uh, all of a sudden it's, it's over uh, two games later. It's, it's remarkable to see how quickly the, the uh, dynamics can change, not only in a playoff series, but in this kind of playoff series. So Greg, help us with the diagnosis. What went wrong? <laughs> they couldn't find their game. I mean, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the pause and just having you know, my, my pet theory is that it's such a veteran team that, uh, you know, ask them to play as much hockey as they did through games, the final possible game in a cup final. And then, you know, the regular season starts, they're going well, they're winning the West. And then you hit pause for four months and they got to restart again. And it's just like, <laughs> it was a lot to kind of just recalibrate the internal clocks if you're one of these veteran players. But, you know, they, they, they didn't have the same sort of, rolling four lines vibe that they had last season. They certainly didn't have that, uh, that ability to put losses behind them and put adversity behind them that we saw all through the cup run, which was such a hallmark. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why that became such a hallmark was Jordan Bennington and, and his unique ability to be just a stone cold killer in, in that crease, forget about what happened in the previous game, come back and give them everything that they need to get over a loss, and and that clearly didn't happen this time. And I, you know, I, I listen. You don't want to jump to conclusions about anybody not performing up to standards inside this bubble. It's an extraordinarily unique situation. It's going to affect people in different ways, both mentally and physically. Um, but it's clear that the Jordan Bennington that we saw in this postseason was not the Jordan Bennington that we saw last postseason or even this regular season. He was he was not good, and uh, and it ended up being. Something that really hurt them in the end. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN.com, with us on 101 ESPN. So with that playoff performance of Bennington and really the regular season performance, Greg, of both Bennington and Allen, we've kind of assumed here that Allen would get moved during this offseason. Do you think that might put some pause on that thought process? 
I mean, logic would dictate it would. Um, you know, and, and it's funny if you track back to when Bennington signed that contract, that bridge contract. I mean, it was sort of a, a two-way street as far as you know, show us what you got. I, I think that Bennington, you know, took the deal uh, betting on himself that he was going to be able to parlay that into something much larger uh, in, in two years, and then the Blues are obviously like, well, this is. <laughs> We, we, we've seen this story before where a goalie goes on an incredible tear through his you know, first time through the league, and then you commit long-term to the guy, and then he doesn't repeat the performance at any point during that long-term contract. So I think in the Blues' case, this was sort of what probably what Doug Armstrong in, in the back of his mind, you know, obviously not hoping that it would happen. I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a, a discouraging thing. But in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, this is the thing that could happen where all of a sudden we go to the postseason and, and he can't, you know, recapture the magic. You know, lightning doesn't re-enter the bottle. And, and then what do you have? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Bennington bounces back from this. I mean, if, if there's any kind of hangover or, or deleterious effect from this performance next regular season, um, it, 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 it could definitely affect his future in St. Louis. Greg, speaking of future in St. Louis, there's a long list of questions here, but Alex Petrangelo is at the top there. What's your your initial reaction? Do you think Petro's back with the Blues? Yeah, my initial reaction was those are some uncomfortable press conferences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we watched as they were leaving, man. I mean, there was a lot of sort of just like, I don't know. You listen to Petro talk, and it's it's one of those deals where it almost feels, and this is just complete, you know, amateur psychoanalyst here, but like, it feels like somebody trying to will a situation into happening. You know, like, like the numbers are what they are. The situation is what it is. He's as old as he is. He obviously wants to stay. I mean, you know, from a familial standpoint, he clearly, you know, loves being a blue and loves, you know, being in St. Louis. But, you know, the economics of the sport are the economics of the sport. And, you know, on top of the blues cap situation, uh, you have a, a, a deal now where teams are just bleeding money left and right uh, because of the pandemic. And, we don't even know what the situation is going to be next year as far as fans being in the stands and everything else. So you have a sort of hockey economic thing with the cap, and then you have the cash flow economic thing. So, I mean, is there a path to him staying in St. Louis? Absolutely. Uh, but is there also a path where he walks out the door and have some, has somebody give him the contract he's probably worth on the open market versus what the Blues can maybe afford to give him? I think that's absolutely true as well. The cap being flat and the economics changing for this league in a lot of places are going to affect the middle class more than they're going to affect a guy like Peter Angelo, who in the eyes of a lot of teams uh, could be like sort of that last piece of a championship puzzle. The, the number one defenseman with Stanley Cup experience is a, the rarest of rare commodities in this league. And if he hits the open market, he's going to find someone to pay him. Uh, I'm just not convinced it's going to be the Blues. And, Greg, along those lines then, if he does leave, are the Blues still a Stanley Cup contender? That's a good question. I mean, in theory, (laughs) like, um, you know, you're going to need some things to kind of reverse course from this season. You're going to need Bennington to be Bennington or or Allen to ascend to the crease um, and and be, you know, a a better starter than he was in his first run. I mean, you're going to need all four lines to, to get going at the same time. Um, and it's a veteran team, but it's not a veteran team that I think is necessarily aged out of its window yet. And when you have, you know, someone like Ryan O'Reilly, who has clearly ascended to the point where um, 
think, think, think about how special O'Reilly is for a second. He's, he's a guy who can exert his will and, um, and shut down another team's offense, but also be good enough offensively where other teams have the game plan around him. That's what happened to the Canucks in those two games of the series. That's a, that's a very rarefied error for a player to be in, and, and they've got one of those guys right now. So if you've got one of those guys, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a puncher's chance in any playoff that you're in, but everything else that kind of went sideways for them in this playoff run will have to sort of reverse course. I don't think that their window is closed. If Petro leaves, it becomes harder to win. Um, but I also think that keeping him at a certain price point might handcuff them in the future as far as trying to be a contender again. And I guess the other question here is because we were so disappointed in Justin Falk, does he have the upside to be a legit number two behind Pareko? Because we didn't see it. Yeah, he's he's served the role before. Um, I, I do think that it, it is, I, and I thought this at the time, and I still think at the time, I don't quite get the idea of, immediately signing a guy to a deal after you acquire him like that. I mean, you do it in very special situations like the Vegas Golden Knights when they traded for Mark. So can he be a, a good number two defenseman? I mean, sure. I mean, he sort of served that role in Carolina, but by no means is he an Alex Petrangelo replacement. Um, and uh, by no means was he the kind of player that I would have sort of jumped on to uh, extend as quickly as they did. Greg, we're just kind of running through our list of blues questions here with you. And one of the the questions we certainly have is about Vladimir Tarasenko after he left the bubble because of that shoulder injury. Again, a lot of people here wondering if we're ever going to be able to see peak Vladimir Tarasenko again. And if the blues don't, how does that change the dynamic and complexities of this team? Uh, it, it, It seriously impacts them. I think one of the more remarkable stories of the year was the fact that they were able to do what they did without him being healthy because I mean, he's such an integral part of that team and what they do and, and one of the elite goal scorers in this league. So you hope that whatever has happened with that shoulder is something that they can kind of figure out over the next few months and give him time, give him rest, and, and hopefully it's something that can heal because he's a very special player um, and obviously a really big part of, of the plans going forward. I mean, he's, he t- you know, it's one thing to take him out of the lineup and not have him, which is, you know, seriously impacting them in that Vancouver series. It was another thing to have him just be, you know, like a non-playable character for a couple of games. <laughs> I think he was a, a liability. Craig Berube, I, I remember asking Craig Berube about that, and, and he was, you know, defending his guy a little bit. But it was pretty clear that he was a liability because of his health situation. So you need to get him healthy and, uh, and get him back on the ice and then hopefully uh, back to being one of the more elite goal scorers in his league. Greg, before we let you go, injury is always a factor when you get to this time of year, and the Grubauer, Grubauer injury appears to be devastating for Colorado. And at the same time, Vegas appears to be a steamroller. Yeah, you know, the Franchot Franchot was a good goalie for them in the regular season when Grubauer was hurt. I still think he's a good goalie. I think he does some things that actually might benefit them in the series ultimately. Um, but it, it may not matter, A, if Colorado can't find that special gear that championship teams have. And I think the Blues exhibited it best last year of being able to overcome adversity and, and keep yourself mentally into situations because now through two games, you know, they've had three different, they've had three injuries. They had a game two that kind of went off the rails because of some specious calls and they kind of checked out. I mean, they didn't really, you know, rally around any of that stuff. And that's kind of a disturbing trend. But more disturbing is the fact that all of a sudden this Dallas team there, we thought it was going to be a snooze fest 
has got 17 goals in the last three games. Yeah. <laughs> they're they coming at him in waves. And, and Rick Bonus, their, their coach last night, I think said something that was really interesting, which is, you know, when they score a goal, their mentality is not to sit on the lead. Their mentality is to score another and another and another. And, and he literally said, attack, 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 like he was you know, General Patton last night. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's, you could see that. You could see that from that team. I mean, you know, they're scoring goals in bunches, and I think it's very much because of that mindset that they have. Greg, we always love hearing your voice. We always love your work at ESPN.com, and we appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Thank you very much. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. See you. That's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN.com. Good stuff here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. The manager of the Kansas City Royals, Mike Matheny, is next on 101 ESPN.